Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, everybody. Let's give God a big shout of praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, if you know he's worthy, why don't you lift your voice again? Oh, man. Feels good to be in a winning city. Heard y'all got this little football team situation. Pretty cool name. I am so excited to be here. To those of us that are joining online, thank you for the honor of being here. I've got to give it up for my dear friends that pastor this church. Pastor Kyle and Pastor Liz are amazing leaders that I get to do life with and share friendship. Y'all think they good? Yeah. Como se dice, I love the Turners. Como se dice, I think they're fly. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. You can be seated. We're getting into the book of Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua, which is a story about transition and trajectory of the Jewish people moving their lives forward from captivity out of their wilderness wanderings. And today we're going to go to the third chapter to learn how we can move our lives forward as well. So regardless of where you land spiritually, regardless of what you believe about the Bible today, wherever you find yourself, I believe that God is going to help us grow spiritually as a result of plugging into his word over the next few moments. And so Joshua chapter three, we read it this way. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. You don't want to say that the wrong way. (laughs) And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then... You shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you've never passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you going to try to tap into the ethos of the series that we've been in over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to teach you a little message today. We're going to title it this, How to Cross the Line. (laughs) I know some of y'all like to cross different lines, but we ain't talking about them lines. We're talking about crossing lines that are going to help us grow spiritually. All right, everybody? So let's open up our hearts big and wide to God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today to draw closer to you. Help us right now through the preaching of your word to help us all grow spiritually by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a hearty amen in this room and online. Let's go. Now, look, there have been times in my life where I've noticed and perceived some very strange behaviors from some friends that I was either eating lunch or brunch or dinner with. Now, it's very peculiar. It's not the absence of table manners, but I'm speaking about a peculiar pattern. Now, if you're like me and my family, when it comes time to eat, man, we just pile everything on a plate. We ain't playing games in the kitchen, all right? We just pile everything on, man, and we just get to eating, man. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. All four courses at one time on one plate. But my friend Brian, who pastors in Long Island, New York, literally has this problem. For Brian and people like him, he can't allow his salad dressing to touch his grilled chicken. 
His asparagus can't touch his salmon. His mac and cheese can't touch his rice on one plate, so much so that Brian will not even cut steak on a plate because he's afraid that the juice might come out and touch his broccoli. Now, some of us that are in this room right now or watching the service online actually have this problem as well. You're a picky eater. Brian has this problem. He doesn't like different foods to mix even in his mouth. So he's got to separate everything that he eats. Now, clearly people with this situation have a more bougie culinary taste than I do. (laughs) The slightest transfer of food for people with this disorder, they say, makes food indistinguishable. For those of us that don't have that culinary etiquette, we just have one phrase to say. You ain't hungry. (laughs) You ain't hungry. Because I don't know how you can't allow two pieces of food to mix in your mouth. It turns out that this is really a mild form of an obsessive compulsive disorder called brumotactilophobia. Say that fast. The fear of food touching. Some people have it in this room. Y'all won't even let your food emojis touch each other when you texting people. (laughs) Y'all invited Kevin Hart to church today. Um, But people who have this phobia simply like to have control over what they're eating and they enjoy their meal being separated. In their mind, if it doesn't look the way they want it to look, they can't eat it. And they worry that slight transfers of food from one to another make the taste overall indistinguishable. And now our text brings us to the plight of the Jewish people as they're moving their lives forward under the new leadership of a guy named Joshua. Moses, their former leader, has died. And now they are moving toward this land that has been promised to their people. They're no longer going to be gypsies and nomads walking around in circles. They are going to be owners of land. But as they move forward, they hit an obstruction. The Bible tells us it's the River Jordan. And not only do they hit this large body of water that is now formidable to them moving forward, it's during the harvest season, which means the water is overflowing, spilling over its banks and harder to cross than ever. But in the opening section of this book, God gives a repetitive order to his people through Joshua. He tells them, be strong, be of good courage. I'm with you like I was with Moses. Don't be afraid. I'm going to subdue everybody before you. But have you ever noticed that just as you become obedient to God in a particular area in your life, that's the exact time that some sort of obstruction comes before you? Have you noticed when you get some movement in your finances, all of a sudden your house decides that you don't only need a bathroom in your bedroom, you need one in your living room as well? Just as your marriage starts to take more ground, a confession may threaten progress. Have you ever been stuck, stuck in traffic, stuck in a dead-end job, stuck in a toxic relationship, stuck in a place that you don't want to be stuck? None of us like being stuck, but so often we are. Can you imagine Joshua getting ready to lead these people into their destiny and not knowing what to do? An entire nation, men and children and toddlers. Can I get an amen, parents? 
trying to get them across. But instead of doing a go around, Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, consecrate is not a word that we use in our common day-to-day vernacular, but it means in the Hebrew sense to be hallowed or to be set apart, to be prepared and dedicated for the Lord's use. It was used for the Lord's utensils in the temple in the Old Testament. And you see, courage got them to this obstacle. They followed Joshua to this obstacle, but courage couldn't get them to cross the line. <laughs> now, look, I don't, I don't believe that God suffers with brumotactilophobia, but I do believe that there are times when we look at this culinary metaphor that God looks at his people, the church, and he says, I want to get you to cross some lines. I want to get you to a different dimension. I want to get you to a different place. And it's sort of like God looks at his people like one of those kitty plates. You remember these? And he says, look, whoo, I feel like preaching now. He says, he says, look, if I'm going to use you, if I'm going to do something great in your life, there's some things I don't want you touching for a season. There's some things that I need to get you away from. There's some habits. There's some attitudes. There's some mentalities. There's some weakness. Oh, there's some weaknesses that I'm going to ask you to separate from so it doesn't touch you, so that I can use you in a special, in an exclusive kind of way. In other words, courage may get you to a certain destination, but it's only consecration that's going to get you across it. I'll say it again for everybody. Courage takes us to the line, but consecration helps us cross the line. Look, 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 look. For many of us, the word consecration may make us bristle because it makes you feel like something obnoxious. For those of us that aren't sure we land spiritually, what we believe about the Bible or Jesus, one of the things that you may not like about Christians is that they seem so separated and out of touch with the culture. They ain't woke. You know, it's like... Those are the things that we struggle with. But I want to tell you that all of us, regardless of where we land spiritually, God is trying to get you to cross a line. He's trying to get you to get past your obstacle. He's trying to get you into a, oh, into a new place that you've never been before. Don't you be intimidated by what's in front of you that's blocking you. God is getting ready to get you through whatever's trying uh. So if you want to read a really good book about getting over obstacles, I suggest Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. In his book, he basically says we need obstacles to grow. And I love something that he says. He says, sometimes the longest way around is the shortest way home. For me, when I hit obstacles, I'm like, yo, I need me a shortcut. How are we going to get through this? But he says, sometimes the longest way around is the shortest way home. Recently, we had this storm in New York that knocked out the power in many of our neighborhoods, including mine. We didn't have power or running water for eight days. Como se dice, I was upset, man. We ended up having to stay with some neighbors for a week and a day. And we were going to hang out and we were going to a restaurant and I was, you know, down to go eat. But there's one thing that I pride myself on. I pride myself on only having to use GPS once. If I go a place one time, I'll look at enough landmarks. I'll see enough stuff. You ain't going to get me to be asking no Siri how to get back no place. Come on, man. Now nah, I'm going to find my way back. You know what I'm saying? 
And so I was priding myself on being able to get back to their house. And he said, hey, Wayne, there's going to be some trees down. There's going to be some obstacles. So you need to follow me. And I'm like, follow you, bro, please. I am Siri. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) so, so, (laughs) so, so we're driving home. And then all of a sudden, there's this big old tree that's down. And he starts busting a U-turn. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to follow him. You know, I'm going to swallow my pride. I started following him. And as I did, I noticed that he wasn't making the turns I wanted him to turn at. I'm like, dude, why didn't you make the left over here? Why didn't you make the right over here? And I couldn't connect with him because phone lines and stuff were down. But I can tell you that we actually got home faster and quicker than I had expected if we went my way. Listen, everybody, sometimes you need to follow follow instructions instead of following instinct. Sometimes you don't need to trust your gut alone. You need to trust your God. Here's what happens in the text. Joshua gives instructions to the people. He says, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions, oh yeah, and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Real quick, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence among his people. God was mobile with his people, moving in a new direction that they had never been to before. Ladies and gentlemen, we have never been in a year like 2020 before. My God, once I saw Kobe and Gianna died, I was like, this year's a wrap. Forget it. Listen, we've never been in a mask-laden, hand-sanitized atmosphere that we're in right now. We don't know the direction that this life is taking us, but I do know something. We've got to follow God's presence and his people. And if we can just trust where God is going, if we can just trust where God is leading us and his people, I believe that God is going to get us to a new dimension that we've never been to before. I don't care what the obstacles are. I don't care what's happening in politics. I don't care what's happening in the culture. If we trust and follow God, we're going to cross the line to where he wants us to be. Shout yes through that mess. I'm having fun. I hope you are. So, 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 look, I ride my bike. I'm a cyclist, man. And I like riding with a group of people. And there's this process when you're a cyclist called drafting. You align with somebody moving faster than you, and you get your wheel behind their wheel, and it allows you to move faster because you're exerting less energy. (laughs) But the truth is, you got to trust the person in front of you because you won't be able to see anything in front of you. Oh, my God. But me, I usually don't trust the person in front of me. So I keep pushing out to the side. I'll be all up in here like this. Because I don't trust the person. Many of us have to realize the art of spiritually drafting. That God is trying to, oh my God, trying to get us to get someplace further and faster. But you can't see all the details. You can't see the road in front of you. But when he starts moving, get out of your position and start aligning where God is. See, some of y'all ain't clapping yet because you got that Peloton spirituality. So I'm going to clap back. I'm going to get at y'all. You got that Peloton spirituality. I want a Peloton. They're amazing. 
great device. You can ride with other people all across the country. The problem is you can never move. You're stationary. It simulates the riding experience, but you never have to draft. Too many of us are locked into Peloton spirituality. That's why we're so locked into our position as a Democrat or a Republican. We're locked into our worldview. We're locked into our opinion. We're locked, oh, you're not hearing me. But if we're ever going to move, we got to follow the presence of God and the people of God. And it's not either or. It's not, oh, I can follow God without following his people. And it's not, I can follow his people without following God. It's both. We can't experience the best of God without the best of his people. So consecrate yourselves, he says. Consecrate yourselves. What does that mean? It means to set yourself apart. And it's all about personal responsibility. Tap yourself and say, I got to consecrate me. You can't consecrate your husband. I know you want to, but you can't. Or your spouse, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your roommate. This is why Paul, who was a New Testament leader that started churches and that wrote letters to those churches to help them grow spiritually. Letters that are now included in the Bible's New Testament. He says to a church that was like Jerry Springer on steroids, the Corinthian church. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. It's a personal responsibility. So I had to ask myself a question, and I'm asking it to you today. Do you want to cross the line? Do you want your faith to cross the line? Do you? Here's another question. Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be set apart, exclusive for God's purposes? It's a big question. I had to ask myself that, too, because I grew up in a really fundamentalist, hyper-Pentecostal culture where holiness meant something totally different from the scriptures. Holiness meant you preached against sunshine. Holiness. God doesn't want you to be warm. You'll smile. God doesn't want... It meant not going to movie theaters and not having a TV in my house and women couldn't wear that and men couldn't wear this and you had to do all of this stuff. It meant going to church three times a day, every day. It was like you had to prove your holiness to the world with what you showed externally. Y'all think I'm playing. Y'all out here, y'all in Hillsong, KC, y'all all free and it's all beautiful. Y'all, you know, you got your dope pastors and stuff like this. Back in the days, man, it was tight for me. I used to think I was so holy, me and my family. We'd be at the beach, sweatpants and t-shirts. I got evidence. Can y'all throw up that picture? We got the picture here, over here too. I don't know if we, we had it at the other location, but here it is, there it is. That's me and my family on vacation in the pool with sweatpants on. My wife got on a skirt, T-shirt. Look at my kid's face. They mad. They're like. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy <laughs> that took this picture? He's like, oh, my God, I've never seen black Amish people. This is. You can laugh at that. We're a multicultural church. I ain't going to cancel you. <laughs> that was funny. See, that's not holiness. 
the primary definition of holiness is setting apart your life so that you can be used by God in a powerful way. It's not about what you do in your own ability and in your own strength to try to impress people. It's about taking some time to say, God, I want to be used by you. I'm crossing the line from living my life for myself and I want to live for you. And look, consecration is never convenient. It's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I want to fast and I want to pray. You ain't going to be doing jazz hands to pray in the morning. It's not convenient. And consecration takes concentration, which means you got to put your mind into it. You got to dedicate yourself to say, I want to slot a spot and a strategy to grow my life spiritually. Consecration takes preparation, which means it has to be in our schedules, everybody. It, 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 it's, listen, God wants a people prepared so that he can have a people distributed. God... God only distributes people that have been prepared. If you're on a football team and you don't practice, you can't play. And you want to know why KC is winners? Because somebody was practicing. That's why you're champs. But consecration must have expectation as well. We don't, we don't set ourselves apart for no reason. God said, if you separate yourself today, I'll do wonders tomorrow. In other words, we got to have more expectation that God wants to do something big and great in your life. You got to lift your faith to realize that God wants to do something miraculous in you and through you. It's not about what you've done, how many times you've done it. It's not about your stubborn habit. It's about what God wants to accomplish through you. And if you do this act of worship, not a work, because you can't put God in a full Nelson to bless you. <laughs> but, but if you worship, God says, I'll do wonders. Because consecration makes us cross the line. Courage takes us to the line. But consecration makes us cross it. Don't you just hate when people show up to a meeting unprepared? God, I hate that. Just gets me so upset. My wife had been talking to me for months Baby, we need a generator. We need a generator. Babe, we need a generator. My wife is like a Black Valley girl. If you ever meet her, she's tall, statuesque, but she talks like a Black Valley girl when she gets upset. Oh, my God, Wayne, we need a generator. Like, we have to get it, right? So she, <laughs> she's like going off on me for months, get this generator. And I'm like, man, I ain't got time for it till the storm hit. And then eight days without power, I'm like, we need a generator. See, when we decide to consecrate our lives, it's not like we're going to remove the probability of encountering obstacles. We're just going to be better prepared for obstacles. So, so after that storm hit our house and our neighborhood, I had some dude come over to make sure we got a generator. Right? And, and he said, hey, you got power lines attached to your house. You should think about getting those put underground. I was like, man, why? He said, well, there's other people in the neighborhood that had power. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I said, why? He said, well, they took their power lines and they put them underground. Because when they're underground, they're not exposed to the elements. He said it's expensive, but it's the right thing to do. You know what God's trying to do in this message today? He's trying to get you to hide power where nobody else can see it. He's trying to get you to... Oh! He's trying to give you a generator that'll work when the... 
When the storms of life hit, you need some hidden power when nobody else can see it, when nobody else can get exposed to it. When I know it's expensive. I know that it's going to take time. I know that it's going to take work. But is there anybody in this place that wants to cross the line? Is there anybody in this place that's tired? Is there anybody online that's saying, God, I want to move into a new dimension. I want my faith to take me where I've never been before. Because courage takes us to the line. But consecration makes us cross it. So check this out. You can be a disciple of Jesus and not pray. You just won't stay a disciple of Jesus and not pray. So sometimes I like to envision myself in the scriptures, right? Jesus had disciples that followed him closely. And some people were critical. They said, hey, the disciples of John, they fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours... They eat and drink. And Jesus said to him, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they'll fast in those days. And watch what happens. God sends his people out, his disciples. Now, I like to envision myself in scripture a lot of time. It makes reading scripture fun. And I'm kind of ratchet. The Lord needs to <laughs> unratchet some... <laughs> For those of us that don't know what ratchetness is, it's hood, it's ghetto, it's, I got issues, pray for me, stretch your hands forward, throw some emojis in the chat. <laughs> so, 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 so check this out, everybody. Jesus sends his disciples out. He says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. If I was standing there, I would say, yo, did Jesus just say wolves? We're going to have to go where some wolves is at, bro. Is that what it is? Jesus is like, but beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and be flogged with whips. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I got to catch a case? I, I just came from court, Jesus. I don't know if you... He says, when you're arrested, he's like, oh, man, I got to get arrested now to follow Jesus? Hold on. No, I don't like the way this is going. And then he finally says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Once he said, kill your body, I'm chucking the deuces. I'm like, peace, Jesus. I'm finding me a different rabbi. But, but they're obedient. And here's why. They're courageous. Now watch what happens. They're out doing their courage thing. But then they come to the line. They find this guy who has a son that's filled with demonic activity. And they're trying to cast this demon out, but it doesn't work. And the guy brings him to Jesus and he says, so I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Why? They hid an obstacle. But Jesus healed the boy. And later they're like, hey, Jesus, how in the world? We, we, man, we, we weren't afraid. Huh? And Jesus says, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Jesus says, you have courage, but you also need consecration. That's why you didn't cross the line. See, we pray to connect with the nature of God and to be endued with his power. However, when we disconnect from the culture of the world and the nature of man, we subdue the power of the flesh. And Jesus says the time is coming when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they'll fast. In other words, there's a time for courage, but there's also a time for consecration because courage will take us to the line, but consecration will help us cross it. 
See, there was a number of people. They were called the sons of Sceva. They're in the Bible's New Testament in a book called Acts, which captions the outgrowth of the first century church as the Holy Spirit empowered those people. And what's so profound is that they were like this traveling group of exorcists that had some ability to rebuke devils and they would leave. But they had courage to do it. But something happened. One of the days they came up to a demon-possessed person. They said, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And the devils were ratchet. They were like, oh, really? They were like, really, bro? They said, I know Jesus. And I know Paul, but who are you? Because here's the deal, Hillsong, Kansas City. You can copy other people's courage, but you can't copy their consecration. You got to have your own consecration to cross certain lines. Now, I don't know too much about NASCAR. I think it's pretty dumb that there's a sport where people can drive fast in a circle. Like... Don't get mad at me. Some of y'all looking stiff. I'm only here for one weekend. I just said, look, man, not a NASCAR dude, but there's something that I do know about NASCAR that I think is powerful. It's called pole position. It's the most favorable position at the start of an automobile race. It's called a pole sitter, and he or she is allowed to be in the first row in the inside lane. And pole position is powerful because it gives you implicit advantages. If you get position, it increases a driver's probability of winning the race. And you know what? God is trying to get you to move out of your position and step into his position because his position is always pole position. God is trying to set some people up in this room and online to let you know you're going to win this race, but you got to get out of your position. You got to get out of the back. You got to get out of your own self-deprecation. You got to get out of your insecurity and realize that God is setting you up to win, baby. And if you can just move forward, you're going to win this race. But God says there are times that my people have to separate themselves from everything else. There are times you got to get locked up in this corner and say, I'm not moving until you bless me. So if that's you today and you're in this room or you're joining us online, when courage runs out, your consecration will take over. When your courage doesn't seem like it's able to unlock doors, your consecration will kick the door down. So where are you today? If you're in this room, or you're, oh man, I feel inspired right now. If you're in this room and you're saying, baby, I'm tired of the obstacle that's been in front of me. Baby, my marriage been struggling. Baby, you've been trying to find your boo thing, but you can't find your boo thing yet. Somebody all up in this house, you're just saying, I'm tired of this habit. I'm tired of this weakness. I'm tired of this obstacle. Can I let you know that there's a God that's ready to get you to cross this line? I know that you're in this place today. And if that's you, I want you to throw your head back in the air. Lift your hands to your God and realize that courage will take you to the line, but consecration will help you cross it. Let's